Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the God and My Girlfriends podcast. I'm your host, Marsha Ramirez, and I have some amazing special guests this season, and we're going to dive into some topics that will help us all learn how to nurture our spiritual lives, nurture our friendships, and nurture ourselves. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, I'm coming to you this week from my dressing room. Um, It's about an hour before our show tonight in San Francisco. Uh, Julie is reading to my right and Stephanie is learning Japanese on my left. So (laughs) we have a big old time here in the dressing room. Um, I'm actually hoping to get them on the podcast next week. So if that happens, you are definitely going to want to tune in because we have some really great dressing room conversations while we're putting on our makeup. Um, I have a couple other background singer friends that said that that was some of their best times on the road is when they were just in the dressing room with their buddies getting ready for the show, and it does make for some good conversations. But anyway, we are here, like I said, in San Francisco. There is what they call a bomb cyclone going on outside, which sounds horrible, but so far we're just experiencing a ton of rain, nothing too frightening. Um... They are predicting some flooding, but we have a show tonight here at Bimbo's 365 Club, which I got to admit sounds a little bit like a strip club, but it's really much nicer than it sounds. Um, I think they should change the name, but I guess Bimbo, whoever that is, likes it. So anyway, who knows if anyone will show up for the show in this messy weather, but we're here and we're getting set up, so hopefully someone will come. And I'm here trying to finish this podcast. Um, The weather has just been crazy. Um, But I am anxious to get this out because it's a great conversation. Today we're going to talk about the Enneagram and how we can use it to enhance our friendships. Um, Many people consider the Enneagram to be a good self-discovery tool, which it is. But it's also a great way to help understand those around you. And our special guest for this conversation is my friend Liz Perez. Liz is a licensed marriage and family therapist who developed a passion for teaching the Enneagram after experiencing the growth it brought in her own marriage, her parenting, and all of her most important relationships. I know we have a lot of Enneagram fans out there, and I'm definitely one of those. And so I thought it would be fun to bring Liz on and talk about it. We're going to dive into some basics for those of you that are new to the Enneagram, and then we're going to talk about how we can use it to enhance our friendships, really all of our relationships. Um, Liz also happens to be one of the leaders at my church. I go to a church in Nashville called Sparrow Day, and um, her husband, David Perez, is our lead pastor. And so I also really love what Liz has to say in this conversation about the spiritual aspects of the Enneagram. It's great. So I've learned a lot from Liz. I know you guys will love what she has to say. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the wonderful Liz Perez. Hi, Liz Perez. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Before you came on, I told everyone a little bit about you and how wonderful you are and all the amazing things about you. (laughs) And also we talked a little bit about the Enneagram, which we're going to focus on today. But I do want to ask you, since you're the expert, let's just sort of start right from the beginning. If someone comes to you and asks about the Enneagram, 
How do you describe the Enneagram to someone? Yeah. I mean, what I usually like to say is what I love about the Enneagram is it has three different pieces to it. It has a somatic body part to it. It has a psychological part to it and it has a spiritual part to it. But most importantly, what I love about it is it's kind of like, it gives me this inner map to myself, Mm -hmm. to the places where I automatically move, where I get stuck, where I get in my own way. Uh, and how these things basically impact myself and then the people that I relate to. So that's kind of how I like to describe it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, what makes it different from like other personality tests? Cause I have some people that will say, Oh, with Enneagram, it's just another one of those personality tests, <laughs> you know, like Myers-Briggs or something. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think makes it very dynamic is there's really growth opportunity. It's not just, this is who you are. Cause a lot of times people will say, I don't like things that put me in a box. I always like to say, actually the Enneagram, I think really brings us out of a box. There may be a structure of our personality that we are innately born with Mm -hmm. and that we just naturally move towards. And it's actually the Enneagram that really helps us understand that. And like I said, how to grow and get out of our way and get unstuck. So I think the lovely part about the Enneagram, not only does it really create a lot of compassion and empathy for others and for ourselves, but I think it's really a great growth tool. That's probably, it's, it's very dynamic and it has a lot of movement to it. So that's what I like. Awesome. That's how I have found it to be for me personally is that growth tool. It's not just, Oh, I'm, I'm this, it really has helped and you've been a big part of that with your leadership in the Enneagram in my life, but just showing me how uh, that I can recognize patterns of behavior that kind of fall into, um, fall in line with my number and go, oh, I start recognizing those patterns, whether they're good or bad, you know, and especially with the bad ones, I can sort of correct, start correcting that. And it's, it's mm-hmm. really been a beautiful thing for me. Um, how did you first become aware of it uh, and, and just hear, hearing about the Enneagram? Uh, well, what it was, I'm a marriage and family therapist here in Nashville, and it just kept showing up in my office over and over again. People would walk in and say, well, you know, I'm a two or I'm a six or I'm a four. And I, I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. And there was a conference that was coming to Nashville. So I thought I'm going to be informed. So I went with my husband and um, that's how I was really first introduced to it. And what I loved, because I know you're all about relationships, Mm -hmm. it instantly impacted my relational world, my marriage, my parenting. Um, It gave me a lot of, I use this word a lot, but it gave me a lot of compassion for my people. And it explained so many things. It really helped me as a mom with my kids. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think, and we're going to get more into this in in a minute, but I know there's a lot of people in our little uh, God and my girlfriend's community that that love the Enneagram and have used it a lot for self-discovery and self-help and understanding yourself. But I love the other side of it too, is once you learn more about not just your number, but all the numbers that helps you like you said, have compassion and understanding for those Mm -hmm. around you. And I've mentioned many times, like with my husband, I don't take it so personally when he looks at things differently or processes things differently than I do, because I'm now understand that he's processing it 
as a one, which is what he is. And, and I'm processing like a nine, which is what I am. So I, it's like, oh, he's not just trying to be difficult and butt up against me. This is his processing tool. This is how he's made, you know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It helps us better understand. I love that. What you said, not to take things so personally, mm -hmm. helps us have a lot more patience and empathy for each other. I, I mean, I think from the very beginning, it really helped me to have compassion on myself as a mom, because I have one particular child that's easygoing and one uh, where he and I would just push in all the time. And I mean, we love each other dearly and we also get along really well, but we could just push in really quickly and get to a little bit more of a reactive place. Mm -hmm. When I was introduced to the Enneagram, it just, it opened up. I had instantly so much compassion for myself as a mom and for him. Yeah. Help me. I I lead with a six. He leads with an eight. You put a six and an eight together and it's going to be who has control. Uh, And of course I was a parent. So I had control, you know, (laughs) ultimately when he was little and that was hard, but your little eight didn't like that. (laughs) But having, better understanding. He's not just trying to be controlling. It's eights have an orientation. They have this armor around themselves to protect their vulnerability from Mm. getting hurt, from being surprised. And so I actually wish that's probably my only regret is that I wasn't introduced to the Enneagram when my kids were actually much smaller. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, if someone were to ask you, okay, so where do I start? How do I find my number? What, what's your advice there? Yeah, there's some great uh, online assessments. Uh, my f- two favorite, I'm trained through the narrative tradition. So I always refer people to the narrativeenneagram.org. Um, the other one that a lot of people will go and use is the Enneagram Institute. And both of those are really thorough and great assessments to start with. I'm also trained to do Enneagram interviews, typing interviews. So like if somebody wanted to come and do a typing interview with me, I would spend an hour with them asking an assortment of questions, helping them understand. But here's what I would say with that. No matter what you use, go then on your own journey and investigate those. For example, if you uh, come out of those assessments and you go, wow, I got a high score or I resonate the most with a two but then what was right under that was a nine or a, or a one, I would go and check those out. And even if I, like, if you came to see me as a client and I did a, an assessment with you and inside I'm going, oh, Marsha's a nine, you know, I would, I would present that to you. And then I would probably give you one, maybe right under that to go and investigate too. And the reason why is because I'm a big believer that we really need to go on the journey ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the more invested we are in the journey, the more it's just a great growth tool. And then I would say after that, go and listen to some podcasts. If you're trying to figure out, if you're between two types, I would say the heart of the Enneagram or typology are great ones to go to because you hear wonderful interviews. And in hearing people talk about their types, that's where it usually hits home for people. Like when I first did the conference, I thought, uh, I could be a one. But then as I, you know, they came around to the six, I thought, oh boy, yeah, that, that resonates. That but resonates. I think pulling those two apart can be really helpful. And this little book right here, The Essential Enneagram uh, by David Daniels and Virginia Price, this is a jewel. It's less than $10. And it's got a, a nice little chapter in the middle that talks about the lookalikes. So for example, if you are like, ah, am I a two? Am I a nine? Well, it'll give you a little paragraph on this is how they look alike, but then this is how they're also very different. 
Yes, because I, uh, when I first started taking tests, um, I would take one and I was still so skeptical, but it kept basically typing me as a two. Uh-huh. Although one said I was a six. So I knew the tests were not, you know, they were getting me in the ballpark, I think, because um, as a nine, I think there are a lot of common personality traits between twos and nines, kind of always focusing on making sure everyone else is taken care of, but their motivation for that. That's when I started, you talk about the narrative approach about not just taking a test, but actually learning, reading about each one and how each one would uh, react in certain situations. That's what, when I read, I think it was Ian Cron's um, The Road Back to You, and it basically would talk, you know, about in, uh, in this situation, a nine would do this, or a two would do this, or a six would do that. I was constantly going back to, oh, I would do that. And it was always a nine. You know, I started kind of figuring out my motivation wasn't really to help everyone. It was really just to keep the peace because yeah. I just wanted everyone to be happy. But, but then sixes are as a nine, uh, that's, what do you call it? Your stress? That's like your stress number. You move there. Yeah. In your, yeah. In your stress. Right. Mm-hmm. So I understood probably why six was popping up sometimes in my tests. Um, but yeah, you're right. It took a little while. I couldn't just take one test and go, Oh, that's what I am. You know, it was so fun though. The journey and part of my journey was actually, I went to one of your, you have, uh, workshops, mm-hmm. had a full day workshop at, I think it was back at, it was in Thistle Farms because it was before yeah. our church. I know you're having them at Sparrow Day now, which is the church that we both attend. You're one of our pastors there. And uh, I'm so grateful for that little church, but um, another topic back to topic. So you were having your workshop and I went there and I'll, it's so funny because I'll be honest, I am not, my mother's always trying to get me to go to conventions and workshops. And I am not that person. Like there's something about being stuck in a seat, listening to people all day. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I can't do it. So I was <clears throat> a little bit dreading it. I was like, what if I get there and I don't like it? I was <laughs> fascinated like all day. It wasn't just about learning about my number, but as you were going through every single number, people that I knew were popping up in my head and I'm like, oh, there. Yeah. I mean, although I know you're not supposed to type other people, right? <laughs> Yes. And yet we tend, right. We hear the different types. We do start to think of people. Yeah. And and it was just a fascinating day. The day went by just like that. And I, I came out of there really changed in how, like we said about how I understood my kids Mm -hmm. and how, how they process things. And so one common question that we do get a lot is which number's the best, which one do you want to (laughs) be? Well, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, there, are, there is not a best type. Right. There are a few that like to say that they are the best. <laughs> um, there's not a best type. They all have amazing strengths, truly. Mm-hmm. Each type has powerful strengths that, that get brought to all of us. And each type has a road of growth. Truly. And there are some, I think I've shared this at like my workshops. There's one little app out there and it's got little pictures of all the different types around it. 
Um, and I think this is what can lead people to thinking there's better types than others. Uh, I remember looking down at the six and the six looks like this little shriveled up worried raisin. And then, you know, and then you look over at the seven, I'm married to a seven and, um, and, you know, it's this guy with his tennis racket (laughs) ready to go, you know, hit the ball on the courts and have a great time. And I thought, okay, this is a great example of how we do not want to promote the types. Right. So yeah, there's no right type as well as the other question I get asked a lot because I mostly work in relationships um, in my therapy practice. I'm mostly with couples, but I get asked all the time, are there right types that should marry each other or find each other? And I, and absolutely the question is there are no right types to be together. Right. I do find there are some common types that tend to find each other. Really? And sometimes Sometimes it's not unusual that we marry somebody in our wing, you know, on, on the on the sides of us. Oh. But, but that's not true in every situation. So interesting, because you and David are six and seven. Mike and I are nine and ones. Interesting. Yeah. But it's not like I know a lot of people are into astrology and they're saying, oh, you know, a Sagittarius should never marry a Leo or whatever. I don't, I'm just, I don't know enough about it. I'm just bringing up two things, but it's not that way with the Enneagram numbers. It's not like, oh, nine should never marry a seven or whatever. I mean, there certainly, the more you understand all the different types, of course, there's going to be certain things. Certain personalities. I have a couple that I work with that are two eights. (gasps) And I remember when they did the assessment, I thought, wow, this is wonderful. You know? <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> they are, I mean, they are a strong and dynamic couple. I bet. And, and then of course the, cause eights have a hard, we all have a hard time showing vulnerability and bringing our vulnerability forth, but especially eight. So that's a lot of the work is, can we build up control and can we show our vulnerability? Interesting. So. I have a good friend that's an eight and she said, I didn't want to be an eight. I fought it and I fought it. And then I realized that's what eights do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now she's learned to embrace her eightness and um, eights are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm learning to kind of embrace my eight wing as I'm growing older. Um, I, I used to really lean heavy on my one wing, but I don't know, as I've grown older, I think I'm, I'm starting to that you can do that, right? You can sort of like your wings can tip a little bit as you do maybe your inner work a little bit. Yeah. Certain Enneagram Institute teaches you tend to have a dominant wing. I probably lean a little bit more. Richard Rohr always says we have, we have two wings like a bird Mm. and I, and they're both needed and they're both opportunities as resources for us. Honestly, I do think sometimes things we go through in life, whether it's jobs, relationships, phases of life, we, we can sometimes lean more into one than the other, but mm. they're all, they're great resources. I think the more we understand our wings and, and use them, the better. Hey, girlfriends, I'm interrupting our conversation for just a minute to tell you about something really important coming up. God and My Girlfriends Ministries is getting ready for our annual Single Mama's Christmas Ministry. Last year, we were able to raise enough money to bless a very deserving single mom in our Nashville area, and it was beyond heartwarming for me to know that we, as a community of women, used our resources to lift this young mama up and let her know that other women care about her and her young boy. I know it made her feel 
loved and cared for and special and I want to do it again. So this year we want to bless two single moms and this is where we need your help. First off, we need you to let us know if you are aware of a deserving single mom that could use a Christmas blessing from us. If you have someone in mind, please email us at gamgministries at gmail.com or just go to our website and you can contact us there. Also, we need to start raising funds. So if you want to donate towards this very wonderful part of our ministry, you can do that by going to our website and hit the donate button. And then you can let us know that this money is to be designated for the Single Mamas Ministry. You'll be kept informed of how the money is being used and who will be blessed by your generous gift. I promise your heart will be warmed by donating to this ministry this year. So that's it. Help us find some deserving single moms and help us raise the funds. We really look forward to partnering with you this year on this. And now, back to the conversation. So, like I said, we have talked a lot in our little community about the Enneagram and how we can use it to understand ourselves and better ourselves. But I really wanted to bring you on today and talk about friendships and how we can use the Enneagram to enhance our friendships. That's one of the things we talk about with God and My Girlfriend's Ministries is how women can learn to understand and and trust each other a little bit better. I think society sometimes pits us against each other, you know, all the, the messaging. It's like we're looking at each other as gauges as to how well we're doing, you know, am I dressing as cute as hers? Is my house decorated as nice as hers or, you know, and when you're constantly looking at each other as some sort of competition or gauge, it's hard, I think, for us to find, um, a, break down those walls and want to collaborate instead of being in competition. And I bet the Enneagram could help us do that. So, yeah, well, and that's so beautiful what you said, Marcia. I think I think what's so lovely about the Enneagram, I think, is that it reminds us that, oh, right, we're we're all pretty human here. Yeah. We're all just trying to figure it out. And we all have some places that we're trying to grow, and we all have these great strengths. I think what it I think what it does is it really humanizes us and brings us all back to this beautiful place of we're all just trying to figure this out. Oh, I love that. Humanizing. We all need connection. We all yes. want to be loved. We all yes. want to be accepted. And I think what it does is it really helps us better understand. I love what you brought up a moment ago, just not taking things personally and better understanding each other and learning ways that we can really be there for each other. One of my good friends leads with a nine. And I remember back before I really understood the Enneagram, I I would sometimes get frustrated that like, I love to plan sixes are planners. Part of it is the unhealthy part is we're longing for security. And so a a good plan keeps us good and secure. That makes sense. At the same time, it's also our strength. We're just good at strategy and planning and thinking things through. And so I was always trying to plan things with her. Let's do this or holidays or whatever. And I just would feel her resistance, which at times was hurtful. I thought, well, maybe I don't matter as much to her. But then when I understood her nineness and how this was showing up and just asked her more questions about this, what it was, was she wants so badly to make sure everybody can be part. Everybody can come to this. Everybody will be there because nines are so much about connection <laughs> uh, that she would put off 
saying yes or putting the, the date down or defining it, you know, because she just wanted to make sure everybody could be part. Well, then what would happen is we'd come closer and closer to the date. And then I'd get kind of frustrated. Like, well, I, I guess I can't be part of that. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah. I think the beauty of it just in that example is it really helped me to have compassion for her mm. and really learn how to be honest about even my weaknesses. And that it's not like I'm the good person just because I want to make a plan and for us to actually come together. And I have learned uh, to become more flexible <laughs> and she, it's really beautiful. I've watched her really learn to kind of go, you know what? I'm putting it down. Let's do it. And let's just enjoy who does come. And, and so it's been really sweet for not only this impacts our relationship, but for both of us to be growing in some of those ways. And so I just, I think what it does is it really, I think it helps us to understand each other and really be there for each other. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh, it totally makes sense. And I actually just was proofreading a chapter of, of the book that I'm writing right now. And the chapter is about how important it is to have diversity in our friendships and how much we can learn from people. If we can learn how to trust them that are different from us. I think sometimes we, are, you know, are again, given these uh, signals that we can't trust people that are different from us. And we tend to like pull in close to people that we think vote like us and go to the same church as us and live in the same neighborhood as us. And cause we think there's, there's safety in that similarity, yeah. but I have found that it's my friends that maybe on paper, it's like, doesn't look like we would be friends. Those mm -hmm. are the ones that bring the most richness to my life. And I learn the most from, and I do have a, a dear friend of mine that we love each other so much, but we were butting heads so much that we actually went to therapy together. We made an, we made, awesome. a, we made a therapy appointment together because we both had come to such a hard place in our relationship, but we knew we didn't want to lose each other. Yeah. And we happened to go to the same therapist. So we were like, we called her, we go, can we come, you know, together? And she was like, come on. And yeah. it was really fascinating to try to learn where she was coming from and where, you know, we kind of met in the middle and understood each other. And I, I mm -hmm. wish back then we had known the Enneagram. We didn't know, but I think that would have really helped us because now I do understand. I know that she processes things. She's a four. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay. So I'm starting to really understand and have compassion and patience for her and vice versa. She understands yeah. me. Yeah. Um, that is, by the way, that is so lovely. I love that you did that with your friend. And I think what this does is it just nurtures um, curiosity. Like, yeah. oh, that's how you experience that. Or that's how you view that. I think it, it keeps us open and non-judgmental and curious, which I just think is beautiful. And, you know, I think one of the things we have to be on the lookout for the Enneagram is, is over labeling and, and also bringing our biases in. And what I mean by that is like, I sometimes early on would think, well, I, you know, the, the, the six, the eight and the four can all have some intensity to them at times. And so I would find at times I, I naturally pull a little bit away from the four and the eight, cause I have my own intensity that I can bring. 
And yet I, at first I thought, oh yeah, they're probably maybe not, you know, it's good for me, whatever that means. And yet I have found some of the most beautiful people in my life right now are in those types, those personality types. So we have to be careful not to overdefine, overlabel, and then also let past biases impact us. Like, for example, I did work for, a, in my opinion, a more unhealthy eight, so much so it, it actually there was some harm for me. I needed to do some trauma work around that. And one of the things I had to be careful of is not to then carry that with me. Like all eights are this way. I have Mm -hmm. lovely eights in my life. Right. And we need to remember that like, when we're talking about these types, we're always talking about them in their average form. We're not talking about them in their really unhealth or health. We're talking about them in average form. So I think that that's just another thing to keep in mind is I don't know. I threw a bunch of things in there all together, but no, I'm sure we're not over labeling people like, Oh, you're an eight. So I know what you're like, or you're a two. So I know, I mean, I've had people say to me, it's somewhat offensive, like, Oh, you don't feel scared at all. And I'm like, well, how, you know, like, how could you be a six? And I'm like, well, first of all, you're, you're not maybe seeing me as my type is getting activated. Mm-hmm. And also I do a lot of work around this. I mean, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. not that I've made it. I don't mean that. It's just, we tend to start labeling each other sometimes. And I think that can be pretty harmful. Yeah. Use those labels in a way that's going to kind of backfire or, or like you said, put them in a box. Now mm-hmm. you've said a couple of things and I know the verbiage is just a little different, but you I've noticed you say that someone leads with that number. You don't say mm-hmm. they are that number. Is there a background to that verbiage? Yeah, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm trained through the narrative tradition, um, and which is Helen Palmer and David Daniels. And they're big believers in, if you say I lead with, uh, it, it helps, it, it keeps it more open. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I say I am a six, it actually feels a little bit more like I am defined mm-hmm. and I am in a box. I lead with just, I just think it feels more open and less labeling. I don't know if you hear that or not, but I don't mind if people say, oh, you're a six. Um, I just think it's healthier language. I like that. I do like that, that I lead with, with a nine mm-hmm. um, rather than I am a nine. Well, because if I lined you up with a bunch of nines, though you are going to, your guys are going to all have some similar pieces for sure you're still going to all be very different from each other mm-hmm. just because of your, your life, your story, your experiences. And so I think we need to remember that too, that we're, these are things we all have in common and we're also still very unique and different. Right. Because really we all have uh, a bit of five numbers, right? We have our, we, what we lead with our wings and then our stress and what's, what do they call stress security. and security? Mm-hmm. So for a nine, I have a, a one or an eight wing, and then I have a stress at six and security at three. So, um, and if you add the subtypes, oh, <laughs> it's really 27 different flavors. That's amazing. Yeah. So everyone is different. You can, yeah, you can have, like you were just saying, although you had a bad experience with an eight and it, it made you want to sort of go, Oh, all eights are this way. Yeah, that's just not the case. Hi, friends. We're taking one more quick break just to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by God and My Girlfriend's Ministries. 
We are a registered 501c3 nonprofit that supports women in all walks of life. Women helping women become everything that God created them to be. That's our mission. We have online book clubs, live events, weekend workshops and retreats, a single mama's ministry, and also this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, get involved in any way with any of our programs, or maybe even help support us financially by donating, you can do all of that on our website, which is godandmygirlfriendsonline.com. You can also find us on any of our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and even Twitter. So reach out when you can and let us know how we can serve you or maybe someone that you know. And now, back to the conversation. Let me ask you this too. Someone told me one time that, I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that the Enneagram is um, sort of a self-coping tool that you sort of develop at a very early age, like from two to five. Does that ring true to you at all? Yeah, I, I think one of the good ways to say it is, I mean, we're obviously created, we are born with personality, stable traits, and particular leanings, right? And then depending on the environment we grow up in, uh, some of those things get uh, more and more solid in us. Uh, I, I'm convinced if you, this is kind of a silly example, but truly, if you could have picked me up and put me in a different family, mm-hmm. um, some of my sixness might look slightly different, mm-hmm. maybe not even be quite as rigid. <laughs> my my uh, family of origin, um, I love them, but there was some real emotional unhealth there, but I'm still going to be, I would still look like a six. Okay. It's just, there's just an orientation. It's part of our personality that we're already created. And then yes, these things just automatically start. They're like survival tools. Again, I can speak as a six, right? The six just naturally moves towards, okay, life is not safe. Life is not certain. So how can I make it certain? So it's just like, we all have this particular orientation that we're just, we're using. Yes. Partly as survival for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and by the way, it's those things. Some of them are, are very helpful for us. It's just, they become maladaptive once they're, they're very rigid and reactive. I always like to say when our type is activated, we, and we're moving to unhealth, we become very tight and rigid. When we're moving to health, it's usually when we can pause and notice, we're becoming much more open and receptive and flexible, which is health. Right, right. Well, it's definitely been a incredible learning tool for me. And once my husband and I have figured out what we are, it's, he's so great to sort of help me in a sweet way. For instance, nines tend to uh, not know how to prioritize things sometimes well. Mm -hmm. And so I'll have a list of things to do today. And although there's some that are really important and need to be done that day, I will find myself doing the other things first, you know, and it's like, hi, Michael, like, uh, do you really need to be cleaning out your shoe closet right now? Because you're supposed to sing that vocal for someone that needs it by two o'clock. <laughs> and I'm like, you're absolutely right. And, um, so I, it, th- those were little things like that, where I started. And I guess that sort of narrative approach, when I started realizing little things like that, that started pointing me in the direction of what my number really was. But I, I have found it 
Very, very, very helpful. So really quick, you mentioned a few things that we're going to put in the show notes. Okay. Some books, that book that you put the Mm -hmm. essential Enneagram, I got that at your workshop that day. And I, I did think that was a really, really great book. So we'll put a link to that. We'll put a link to a couple of those websites that you mentioned Mm -hmm. that are sort of, I guess, some tests that they can take online and check out. Yes, absolutely. Um, are there any other resources that you would like us to put in the show notes? Or- I'll share with you my website, which is your Enneagram therapist.com. Um, and, and then if people want to sign up for my newsletter, they can do that on my website. And then I usually put that out a little more than quarterly and then let people know about either workshops or classes that I'm teaching. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. I have one more question before we get to our Final three questions. You mentioned in the very beginning of this interview that there's a spiritual element to the Enneagram. Uh, can you expound on that just a bit? Sure. Yeah. And, and spiritual, although some people uh, like to, if you're from our Christian tradition, there are some teachers that like to, what's the best way for me to say this? Make sure it sounds Judeo-Christian. Um, I am a Christian I've been in Christian ministry for 30 years. I feel like the Enneagram stands alone as just deeply spiritual. And when I use the word spirituality, uh, the true definition of spirituality is connection to my maker, myself, and to others. And yet there are places all the way around the Enneagram for each type to move. Um, And, you know, again, from our tradition, the seven deadly sins are actually part of that. And then three more are added. So yeah, it's, and like for the six, it's moving from fear to courage. Uh, For the nine, it's moving from sloth to right action. Although I do not like that word sloth. sloth. I know. I didn't either. I was like, I'm not a nine. I don't have sloth. (laughs) (laughs) There, I really believe there needs to be a different word. Maybe I'll come up with a better word because Sloth has such a stigma to it. And usually we just think of laziness. Um, It can be that, but it's really much more for the nine about falling asleep to self, Mm -hmm. to the things that are important to self, your voice, your needs, you know, things like that. So yeah, that's the spiritual element. And that's pretty profound. I mean, Uh I've done a lot of growth in this and yet that's a lifetime of work for me moving from fear to courage. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a beautiful, it's be, it's actually beautiful work. And, and that for me, again, I'm a head type, the five, six, and sevens are all head types. So I have to always make sure it's not just head knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's moving all through myself into my heart, my body. And so, yeah, it's really deep work. Honestly, I think nothing has changed me more than the Enneagram. And again, it's not just knowing my type. It's just going layer after layer after layer. There's just a lot of beautiful growth work. It really is. And, you know, it's so hard to get into a lot of it in these short conversations, but I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate uh, you and your husband, David Perez, started this beautiful church that I've been attending for few years now called Sparrow Day here in Nashville. And um, I just love that you guys are teaching us to be open about this sort of thing too, you know, and, and self-discovery and self-exploration and understanding how God created each one of us and using tools like the Enneagram to appreciate that about ourselves and mm-hmm. 
better ourselves. So that's so awesome. Thank you so much. So three quick questions here um, based on our three arms of the ministry. Number one, tell us what your favorite spiritual practice is these days. Well, I'd say it's two things. It's um, mindfulness and nature. Mindfulness, you know, mindfulness basically teaches us to be present and to be aware. And in our Christian tradition, I was always taught about meditation, but at least how I experienced it, it was, you know, I'm going to meditate on this verse. I'm going to meditate on this passage, which I'm not saying that didn't promote growth for me, but again, I'm a head type that kept me very much up here. I think mindfulness spiritually is so impactful for me as it really connects all my parts, body, mind, and spirit. So that's probably my top one. And then being in nature, nature just connects me to God like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So number two, um, what are you doing these days to um, be intentional with your friendships and keep those relationships intact? Well, I mean, in this pandemic, it's been nuts. It's been hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need a whole lot of friends. I've never had a gaggle of friends, like a whole, I'm not a group person. Six is also trust is big for us. So I, I just always need a few good friends and I have some decent, loving, beautiful friends. I shouldn't say decent. They're more, (laughs) sounds terrible. They're beautiful (laughs) friends. And the thing that I'm probably trying to do the most, because it means the most to me is to stay connected. Good time with my friends is really important. And in this pandemic, it's been hard. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to take advantage of, you know, the beautiful fall, summertime, being able to be outside. Uh, And I'd say the thing that I love the most is vulnerability, vulnerability in my friendships. It just, again, that's probably, it really soothes the trust thing for me. Like when I'm able to be vulnerable with my friends and they're vulnerable back, there's just nothing like that. Yeah. That's bonding, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It really is. And number three, um, what's your favorite self-care tip right now? (sighs) Rest. It is. That's a big one. It's so important for me. It really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too many women do not get enough rest. That's for sure. Because they feel like, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, they feel like, you know, women, I hate to, paint with broad strokes, but in general, I do see a lot of women. They're just so busy taking care of everyone else that resting feels like an indulgence for themselves or something. They shouldn't rest. And so I love that you brought that up. Yeah. And and I used to feel so guilty for that, but I think it's, I don't know what it is. If it's just also all that we're going through right now in these crazy times, I'm just tired a lot. Mm -hmm. So I've got, we've got a puppy from the pandemic and she knows when it's nap time. She comes back and she snuggles up with me and we just pass out for about 20 minutes. And it's so good for me and her. She's the cutest. I got to meet her after church one day over there. David brought her out and she is a ball of energy. That's Nestle. That's for sure. But she's a sweet girl. Well, we are going to put everything, like we said, in the show notes, we'll definitely link up your website. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you about more Enneagram work or therapy or find out about your workshop, sign up for your newsletter, we will make sure everyone can get in contact with you. Thank you so much, Liz Perez. I appreciate you so much coming on today. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
I hope you guys are inspired to do some Enneagram work now. Like I said, I'll put all those links in the show notes so you can find Liz or any of the resources she recommended that might help with your journey. But now I got to go get ready to sing a few background vocals. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting this podcast. It means so much. And I hope you'll meet me here next week for another episode of the God of My Girlfriends podcast. Until then, be safe and be well. That's hilarious. Again.